This is Murphy's Talk. My name is Brian Murphy, and I'm your host. Today we are talking with Reverend Michael Anthony Howard. Hey, Michael. Hey, Brian. How you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. So glad you're back. Nah, this it's is good pretty to be awesome. here. Thank you. So Thank we you. had a lot talk last time about uh, the collective whole, and I asked the question specifically about how we, and I, I was gonna, I was hesitating to use the word fear. Mm. But sometimes it feels like we're afraid. Yeah. The example would that be is that when we walk down the street, we don't see each other in the eye. Yeah. We drive down the road, we have tinted windows now. Yeah. We walk outside our front door and our neighbors go inside. Yeah. We don't say hi. Yeah. You know, how do we get past that? Mm. I call this wall yeah. that we've created. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Not, not a small question, huh? Not a small question. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let me see if I can hit this. I'm not sure I can hit it out of the park, but maybe bunt. Yeah. Bunt. bunt. <laughs> uh, so I'm, I'm thinking, um, you know, the first thing that that question raises to mind, it's not going to answer the question, but um, it, I actually, in as an undergraduate uh, in mathematics, I studied uh, social networks, social capital. So I was a mathematician, and so I was using graph theory to, to measure relationships among people. And Robert Putnam wrote this book called Bowling Alone, which was uh, you know filled with lots of really good data, but the overarching argument was that we had no longer have community. We no longer have these shared relationships. And social capital is the language that he used, that I was using, the methodology I was using in my research, but it's the language he used to talk about the kind of a fracturing of our society. And, uh, you know, one of the examples that he uses, you know, when you're older and you fall in the tub, mm. if nobody knocks on your door on a regular basis, nobody knows you're missing. Nobody knows anything happened to you. So the more social capital mm. you have, the more interactions you have with people, the better well off you are. And uh, you know why is that happen in our society? That's that's one of those questions he raises that doesn't doesn't give a good answer for. Um, but I think I think your comment about fear really gets there because I think there's so in one sense um, you know spirituality. So coming back from the fact that I work in uh, in that framework. Uh, you know, a lot of times religion is used for the sake of scaring people. And fear, fear is a really good way of gathering people's energy. And um, but then when you make people afraid of each other, then the own that, that they they lose a sense of their own power because they give it then to whoever it is that they're expecting to protect them from whatever it is they're afraid of. Let me let me go back. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna, I went I'm, too I'm, philosophical on No, you. no, I love it. And I, I'm actually going to go deeper, okay, with this. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue to do this to you because okay. I think the deeper we can get into, does it ever come to a solution? It might get deeper. Yeah. But let's talk about why the religion, we'll use the word religion, yeah. uses the word fear. We uses fear as a tool. Tool. Yeah. Why? Yeah, well, because it's easy. It's easy. So if you want to, I, I, it's it's easy to shame people into following a particular belief or to follow a particular leader. And so, you know, one of the things that's happening in politics in America right now is that you have entire people who are gathered together in communities because of the things that they fear. 
Um, but you know, as a spiritual question coming back, you know, there's a quote in the, in the book of John in the new Testament, uh, in Christian scripture that says that uh, perfect love casts out fear. And, you know, part of the reason that fear is there because we don't know each other because we don't trust each other and we don't have the kind of gatherings that allow us to get to get to know each other in a way that we're almost we we can't we can't I hate to say it, it sounds scandalous we can't be naked together we're walking around with our morality all around us that's from yes. a, a well you from, know naked could be used as you're yeah. exposing who you are to somebody else yeah and the word trust comes yeah in. exactly when you walk by somebody on the street you don't know them do you have an innate of distrust yeah and we have that distrust comes before we're blocked before we see them yeah yeah you could build yourself out of it yeah but the fear has been so ingrained in our in our uh, cells that we almost expect it so yeah how do we actually take the something that has been so ingrained into our stream and actually I hate to use this phrase bleed it out yeah and then go back to trust I I I I think you have to build I think you have to build trust I think that's the thing and and, and I think so so part of part of the thing I'm noticing in the conversation is just thinking about well when we see someone sometimes sometimes the reason we distance ourselves from people or we become disconnected from people is because we've been told to. So we come up with language that puts people in boxes. So now I don't have to get to know you because there's a language with a label that I can put on you. And then I can get a label that's put on me and maybe I can adopt that. But then now I have to live up to that label rather than living up to who I am. And so that, that's a, I, just, I just think it's really important to name the fact that those most of the time are social manu, socially manufactured. Like there are people who intentionally want you to be afraid because they want you to do what they want you to do, not because they want you to discover what you should do or who you are, but because they want you to do what they say. So an example, I mean, I hate, I, I hate to put all the cards on the table, but I grew up in a home where my parents, you know, were, they were complete followers of tele, televangelists. Mm. And that's a fear-based society, I mean, all together. And, you know, in, in, that, in that context, you know, I was, I was taught that if I, want, if I go to church, I'm going to church in order for you to look at me with shame. Mm. And the only way I'm going to get out of it is if I become one of you. You know, which is a completely different thing. So, so then when you look at uh, Glenn Beck in the 1990s running a show on Fox News, and he says, if a pastor in your congregation uses the term social justice, there are Marxists you should run. And so there you get a whole label put on top of people and top of entire sections of religion about stuff that people care about intimately, deeply, and then now you've labeled them in a box and said you can't talk to them because they must be like the Nazis. 
And where's the jump between the Marxists and Nazis? Well, we don't even do that very well in our own American history. (laughs) So most people don't know what Marxism is. They don't know what the teachings of that are. But not only that, what in the world are we talking about when we say social justice? If a pastor uses the term social justice, I think we should have a right to ask them, what do you mean by this term? And if we can't understand it from listening to you, then maybe it's a term we should get rid of. But I would bet most of the time, none of it falls anywhere near where Glenn Beck was trying to tell us to be afraid. So, so part of the thing is, why was that there? Well, that was there because there are particular people who don't want you to listen to some pastors. Because if you go in that direction, you start asking different kinds of questions. Yeah, you, you know, you had said something earlier about fear being easier. Mm. I'm gonna, easier, I, I, easier to manipulate, yeah. You know, I, I'm actually going to challenge you with that because even though it's been used that way, that when I look at you and I say, I care about you, mm-hmm. I care about you as a person. This is who I am. This is what I believe. That right there made us feel good. Yeah. It didn't take, didn't take, doesn't take much. We respond to the fear because we're afraid that they're correct? Yeah, yeah. Well, so, so in community organizing, you know, the phrase that gets used a lot is you can only move at the speed of trust. And you know, the trust, trust comes on many different levels. So you and I know each other, we trust each other. If someone says something to me about you that contradicts the way I know who you are, I can pick up the phone and call you if it's something really bad, but it fits with who I know you to be, then I might be scared. I might not, I, like, I'm not calling Brian. Did you hear what he did? And so in s- some ways, the work of building trust is slow and takes time and takes a lot of relationship building. And many people don't have that kind of time. They don't make that kind of time. They get up, they go to work. They, you know, they drop their kids off from school. They go to work. They come back home. You know, fix dinner, watch TV, and go to bed. They might go out. And do, hardly anywhere in society now do people get together just to be together. Mm. You know, so I know you know happy hours one time. There are other times, but the more that we can get to know each other and spend time with each other, the more possibility for trust. Like you're saying, it's not hard, but it takes time. And building trust among segmented parts of society is really hard yeah but really hard. it is hard but you know what what we are doing even right now is we are opening up that wall yeah what you are doing with bringing in different spiritual leaders yeah you know we do projects where we collaborate right the word collaboration has been something that's been used here for the last 20 25 years for a reason yeah so we're all doing it but when we go outside of that element we forget yeah. and then we go back into the yeah i don't want to say isolation but we get into our our wall yeah and i think trust i did um i, I created a piece it was called trust yeah and the whole choreography was based on how people work together trusting each other yeah 
Yeah, you know, I, I think about, um, you know, I, I was, I, I'm in a lot of interfaith ecumenical conversations. Ecumenicals, you know, other folks from different religious traditions, but we all kind of fit in the same camp. Interfaith is like we're intentionally bringing in people who are very different from us. Don't use the same text, don't use the same literature, don't have the same words, but we, we sense that we have some kind of shared sense of spirituality and call. And in that, I find a lot of fractured spaces and in christianity there's a lot of that and and much of it is built around fear and so you can so one so one of the things that i i try to do as as a person as an organizer who lives in the collaborative space is to create projects of collaboration among people who otherwise wouldn't be in the room so example, like we're talking about climate change. I think I can say this out loud very clearly because this is, this is something that's pretty obvious on the surface. So I can, I can connect with the Catholic Commission of Summit County and we can talk about climate change. The Pope you know, issued a, a declaration, has an encyclical specifically about our relationship with the environment. And so Catholic churches everywhere are reading this thing written by the Pope about our relationship with creation. So I can bring a Catholic body into that conversation. As soon as we start talking about sexuality, we've got to change the page. Mm. And some of that is because of some of that is because of disagreement, but most of it is because of fear. So they don't want to engage in thinking about something different because it's not the way that their tradition has been raised or the way that they've thought about things. They're not willing to try on those different ideas. And the same thing I would say for me, you know, they're, they're like, for instance, you know, some of the traditions, some of the Catholic traditions, I might say, oh, that's Catholic. I can't, I can't do that. That I keep that away from me. Oh, we're over here. And I think the more of those things that separate us, the longer it takes for us to build that kind of trust that we need. So I, I think the more, more I can get the Catholic Commission of Summit County and the United Methodist Church and people like the Bayard Rustin Center here in town, you know, all together in the same space for a reason, like if it's climate change, uh, the more trust that we can build so that when we want to have those other conversations about the things we disagree about, at least I know you as a person and I can trust you so I can hear where you're coming from. That work takes, it takes time. It takes, it's hard and it's intentional. You have to be intentional about it. It doesn't happen naturally. You know, advocacy, mm. you become an advocate. Yeah. If you have, if you, be, you become an advocate of community building, you're just an advocate of community building, an advocate of social, not just social just, justice, but advocacy of gathering. We, we actually, that's, that's where we all can do very easily. And advocacy doesn't, is not a bad word. It doesn't have to be a bad word. You just, yeah. let's gather. Yeah. Let's, let's be proactive. <coughs> let's be proactive in the gathering space. Yeah. Because it's almost you have to shift. There's a shifting in your mind you have to get to. If you allow yourself to go there, you, you're, it's like a curtain opening up. Right, right, right. That comes with the trust, right? So that's why the trust is so important. I think one of the things that I'm worrying, I'm, I struggle with is, you know, even the term social justice. Um, I'm not sure everybody has the same definitions of what we mean when we use that word. But for me, um, it, we're talking about a justice that is something that we share. 
you know, it's not, it's not a justice that's a justice for you or a justice for me. And one of the problems with that is uh, like, I think I've said this before, um, they become ideas that are in our head. And in the end, what really matters is not the ideas that we have in our head. It's the relationships we have with each other. And part of, you know, the question of social justice is what difference does that make to the people who live in my neighborhood, to the people who live in the rest of my city? And so for me, I'm looking for a justice that means that all of us together have the same outcomes in mind, or not, not necessarily the same outcomes in mind, but we all get treated equally with a sense of equity that all of us have both a stake in the outcome and input into it. And, you know, otherwise it's, you know, it may be, it may sound like it's right if it's dictated from on high, but then when it comes down to us, we have to live into that reality. That doesn't feel like social justice. That feels like coerced into an idea. So for me, I guess I'm looking for a justice that's more organic that happens between relationships of people that build trust. Like what, so when I, for instance, social justice, I'm thinking about racism. When I'm thinking about race, racism or racial equity, I'm not thinking about, I mean, I do think about Michelle Alexander and the new Jim Crow. I do think about, you know, all of those things, how to be an anti-racist. But honestly, I'm thinking about the seven-year-old girl that gets on the bus at the corner down the street from me. What's her future going to look like in this neighborhood? So for me, when I'm thinking about social justice, I guess I could get rid of that term if we were just talking about what does it make, what does it look like to build a society where everybody here gets to be well and whole, you know, well, whole, fully human beings. What does it mean for me to live in a society where that seven-year-old girl doesn't have the, the opportunity to grow into her full potential because she lives in a neighborhood where there are no resources? She's living in a family where there's not many resources and there's nothing in the neighborhood for her. When I work together in a collaborative with other folks and we're trying to build a better community together, I've got her picture in my mind. It's not the same thing as saying I'm working for racial justice, I'm working for social, I'm working for Tiana's justice. She lives down the street from me. Mm -hmm. She has a name, you know. That is the baseline. Right. That's, okay, what are we gonna do for those Tianas? Right. Thank you, uh, Reverend Michael. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Again, my name is Brian Murphy, I'm the host. You are listening to Reverend Michael Anthony Howard.